Let there be light. It's the theme of our Advent time together, and uh, not just light because uh, Christ came into the world, but it applies to each one of our hearts, light in our homes, light in our own life, light with our family. And there's a particular kind of light that I want to briefly look at this morning that has always been mysterious to me, even as a child, the star of Bethlehem. What's with this star? Like it appears at one point, and the wise men see it, and they're challenged to come to the east. They see it again a second time, and then it supposedly moves and stands over where Jesus is. There's something very odd about the star. Now, I've been told over the years that maybe, you know, by well-meaning Sunday school teachers, God, maybe he created a special star for the occasion, kind of like maybe God created a special fish to eat Jonah and spit him out. And I, you know, I know God can do these things, create special things just for the occasion, but that's not really his nature. He, he has all of creation at his disposal at any one time. He created everything we see in, in the songs that we sang today. talks about a star that the wise men followed. What is this star? Well, I just want to establish at the front end of this message that everything that was created was created by God. It says even Jesus from our last message we had last week in the first uh, Advent Sunday that All things were created through him. Nothing that was created was created apart from him. And so from the very beginning, God put into a a plan to use his creation to testify to the truth. Uh, He has, I remember even uh, Jesus saying when when people were mocking his people that were, um, he was riding on a donkey into Jerusalem and people saying, tell your disciples to be quiet, stop praising you. He says, well, if they be quiet, even the what? The rocks will cry out. You see, all of creation is connected to the Creator. The only part of creation that gives God trouble is us, <laughs> is the people who refuse to follow in line with, with His plans. And so He's constantly trying to reconnect with us, His creation. And that's why His Son was sent from the very beginning, to help bring back together that relationship with His creation, with you and me. In Nehemiah chapter 9, it says, Stand and shout praises to your Lord, the eternal God. Praise his wonderful name, though he is greater than words can express. You alone are the Lord, creator of heavens and all the stars, creator of the earth and those who live in it, creator of the ocean and all its creatures. You are the source of life, praised by the stars that fill the heaven. And we don't often think about stars or heavenly bodies as speaking. And they don't really speak. They don't sing in harmonious <laughs> melodies to each other as they're going around in their orbits. But they do reflect the glory of God, and they do testify to his greatness. And so when I, it's an amazing thing to me to think that when Jesus created these stars and says he flung them into the heavens, and then they, like clockwork, they go around their orbits, and the, the patterns, and it doesn't change. It's, it's like systematic clockwork that these things, you can predict where they're going to be at any particular time because we know the patterns that they have uh, shown over the, over the ages since we've started 
um, tracking them. The Chinese people hundreds and thousands of years ago were already tracking what was happening in the skies. And so what scientists have actually done in recent years with their supercomputers, and you can actually go online and find this, is that they have taken the patterns of the stars and put them all into the computer system, and then they can go back in time and reverse the whole process to say, what did the stars look like when Jesus was born? What would Mary and Joseph have seen in the skies over Bethlehem, over, over the Middle East, at this particular date? And so, you know, over the years, people have guessed at what happened with this star over Bethlehem. Some say it's a comet that was uh, zooming by at a very particular time and, and I guess showed up different times to help lead the wise men. Um, people want to debunk that, to say, you know, comets don't act like that. I don't know. So, and then there's another couple of theories that say several planets have aligned right at the very same time Jesus was born. When uh, we look back also in time and civilization, because people are so intrigued with the stars, you just think about what lights do you have at night? You got your street lights, you got your car headlights, you got your, your phone light, you got flashlights. Back in Jesus' day, there wasn't electricity, so get rid of all of those. All you have left is the stars and the moon to lead you at night. That's the only light. And so if you're a sailor, you, you charted your course according to the stars and according to the constellations. The oldest book in our Bible, do you know which one it is, by the way? Don't say Genesis. Job is the oldest one in the Bible, written uh, hundreds of years, actually, before Genesis. And uh, in Job, it says, who alone stretches out the heavens and walks on the waves of the sea? Who alone made the great bear and Orion and Pleiades and the chamber in the south? Who is doing great things past finding out? Finding out. This is the Lord. They're, they're naming constellations that we have today. The great bear uh, houses a constellation. The only one I can ever find is the Big Dipper. I don't know about you, but that's the only constellation I ever can find. And it's in this great bear. Uh, it's called Ursa Major. Pleiades is a star uh, cluster, most visible to the naked eye, known as the Seven Sisters. Orion is a prominent constellation located on the celestial equator, visible throughout the world. One of the most conspicuous and recognizable constellations. They knew about this thousands of years ago. And wh what fascinates me is, is when you look at the, how the stars actually work, um, the scientists have, have surmised that a possible... Um, Gathering, gathering together, overlapping, or visually coming together several stars uh, and planets at the same time, right around the supposed birth of Jesus Christ. Um, they, they have to guesstimate when it happened, but they can actually pinpoint fairly accurately when there was a, an alignment of these planets and stars. And it would have shone brightly, and uh, I don't know if you've seen the, the newest or latest theory of Jupiter and a star, um, a star called Regulus, Jupiter, Venus, and Regulus all coming together on June 17th, second, uh, 2 BC. Um, but it's fascinating to think that if this is what the star was that the wise men saw in the east, and it said they actually came together on three different times over the next nine months, 
And so at the birth of Christ, they would have come together, and then because of their orbits and the way they, they work, they would come together a second time, and then it would have appeared because of what they call retrograde action, where, where a, a planet in its orbit looks like it's standing still because it's actually going away or, or to us at the same time. We don't see a, a lateral motion. We just see a star not moving because it's coming towards us or going away, retrograde. And it would have appeared to have actually stopped and just been over the horizon when the, when the wise men were leaving Jerusalem to try and find where the house was in Bethlehem. I, I don't know if it's true. I, I'd say it's got some really great evidence, but who knows? We, we can't, but what I like is that most everything that we can see in the Bible, God can use his creation to make happen. He doesn't have to do out of the ordinary kinds of things. He can use what he's already put in place. So if it, it is true that these planets were aligning at the same time with the star Regulus at that very moment, think about it. At the very beginning of creation, when God flung the stars into the sky, at the very exact time his son was coming to earth, those planets aligned to say, hello, everyone. <laughs> Something special is going on. Notice what God is doing. It was a message in the stars to God's humanity to say, I am doing what I can to bring you back into alignment in relationship with me. We can look at creation. I, I love actually coming this morning over the bridge, uh, Golden Ears, to come here. The mountains were glorious. Snow covered, it was an amazing sight. And that's one of my favorite things to do. It's like, welcome to Maple Ridge. And I get to see, after the traffic on number one highway, I get this, this beautiful view. And it's like, yeah, God's in control. Despite what's going on in this world, God's in control. I can see his handiwork. I can see his glory and all that he's created. They give testimony to his amazing uh, ability of creativity, and, and I, I can relax. My life and the things I'm going through is small in comparison to the greatness and the magnificence of God. I have to say, Julie, I've never sung Oh Holy Light Night like that before. I was thinking, this is pretty slow-paced. It is going like this. Is... But then the, the piano, the fill, it was like for the first time I heard those words. I didn't just sing through it, zipping through like my mom liked to do. Oh, holy night. It's like, no, pause, listen, marvel at what God has done. And it's a little different style of music than some of you are listening to on the radio. Uh, but what I like is that God has put a talent in Julie. I don't have. I can do chopsticks really well. But what God has done in Julie, she is taking and she's saying, I want to give glory back to him. Whatever talent I've had, whatever thousands and thousands of hours of practice I've put in, I want to bring glory to him. I want to put attention on Christ. This is his day. This is his celebration. This is a day of worshiping him. And whatever I can do, I want to humbly offer it back for his use to impact his people. So thank you for helping us and opening our eyes and our ears and our hearts to another way of worshiping God today. Here's what I know about the star story. God freely announces to the world what he is doing. There's no secret what God is up to. He's announced it from the beginning of time. He, he wants to bring us into a relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. Why he was born in Bethlehem, why he died on the cross, why he was resurrected from the life. It's all about us 
coming back so that all of creation can actually praise him. And we know how it's going to end, too. It's not a secret how things will end. We know revelation is coming. We know that the end times will come. And some, I was talking to a guy, honestly, I was in a coffee shop yesterday, and he was grumbling a little bit about um, the, the virus and the shots and the masks and, and the earthquakes and there's fires and there's floods. And I said, yeah, you better get right with Jesus pretty quick. <laughs> he said, well, yeah, I guess, I guess. He didn't know what to say, but I thought, you know what? The whole earth is saying, you know, we're headed towards something, and it's not a shock, it's not a surprise. We have a roadmap that God has given us, and we shouldn't ever be caught off guard because he loves us enough to tell us what's going on so we can be prepared and we can help others be prepared. The stars that night in Bethlehem were helping others to see the glory of God, to announce to a world that a Savior had come I also know that smart people were watching for a sign from God. Had the wise men not been looking at the stars, not noticing what was going on, we wouldn't have the wise men at all coming to Bethlehem. Upon seeing the star, they took action. They became personally involved. And there was a certain amount of sacrifice involved. They brought gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh, all three precious. When we see God at work... (laughs) We can't just say, oh, that was cool. It's an invitation. It's an invitation to join what he is doing, where he is going, what he wants to accomplish in people's life. We see a sign, we see an activity of God. He's saying, join me. I want to use you in this moment, at this time. And it makes, means you've got to get up out of your seat and get involved in what I'm doing. I also know that there were not so smart people in this story that consumed with power and money and prestige who wanted to get rid of what God was doing. Talks about Herod and his henchmen going to Jerusalem later and slaughtering babies that he suspected could usurp his authority. They fought against what God was doing. And that's why we needed a savior. If we were all in compliance, if we all bowed down to God as our creator and our savior, our Lord, We wouldn't have needed someone to come on the cross, but because man turns their back on Jesus and on God's what he's doing, we needed a savior, a gift at Christmas time, that if we accept this gift, we too can have eternal life. And I also know that God's plans cannot be thwarted by mankind. What God plans, he will accomplish. He set everything in motion thousands of years before. Christ was born, planets aligned, Stars were shining bright, and a cross happened 33 years later, and he's coming back. We know the plan. No one will stop Christ coming back a second time to earth, to bring his believers back to, to live with him for eternity. That's not, you can't get a nuclear bomb or an arsenal or anything else to stop what God is going to do. It will happen just like clockwork. The last thing that I notice in the story that the only part of creation, and I mentioned it earlier, that refuses to worship the creator are people. Luke 19, verse 40 says that we have a choice to respond to God's love or reject it. It's freely offered. It's a gift of salvation to anyone who would receive it. But a lot of people just leave it left in the hand that is offering it, and they walk away. They want to try it their own way. They want to do things their own way and not answer to anybody. But folks, we have a creator. 
Romans 1.18 says, From heaven God shows how angry he is with all the wicked and the evil things that sinful people do to try and crush the truth. They know everything that can be known about God because God has shown it all to them. God's eternal power and character cannot be seen, but from the beginning of creation, God has shown what these things are like by what he has made. That's why people don't have an excuse. The Savior came. People have an opportunity to receive this gift of grace. Unfortunately, a lot of people just walk away. They don't want what God has to offer. And many of you know what it's like to live a life without God, and then the difference it makes when God comes in, and you, you accept the gift, you receive the, the gift of salvation into your life, and everything changes. Your whole worldview changes, your perspective on life changes, your future changes, your relationship changes, your purpose and meaning in life change, because that's what God does. He comes in to give us life. We're going to celebrate what Christ did on the cross. Here we have a time of communion, if you would get your little cup out. We will honor Christ and his sacrifice for us this morning on this Advent Sunday. I want to read a little bit out of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul is writing to a church in Corinth, and he says this, moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved. If you hold fast to that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I had received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas and by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 people at once of whom the greater part remain to this present, but some have fallen asleep. And after that, he was seen by James and then by all the apostles. And then last of all, he was seen by me also, as by one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, and I am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. And then in verse 10, he says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was in me. Paul says that I was going the wrong way. And then I met Jesus, and everything changed. It wasn't that I was such a great person, but God was kept working in me to help. His grace was working in me. And he says, you know, I worked really hard, but even that, it was God working in me. Not one of us is perfect, but when we have God in us, he moves us in the right direction. He helps us with his grace and his power. The scriptures tell us that on the night he was betrayed, that he took the bread and he broke it and he gave thanks and he said to his disciples at the table, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So as we this season celebrate a baby born in Bethlehem, we also celebrate a savior who died in on a cross and rose again. So as we do this, let's remember the whole story and celebrate his grace in us. Let's eat together. What Paul said in, this, in verse 10 was, by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me, towards me was not in vain. In other words, he didn't waste his grace on me. 
I'm walking in the light. I'm letting the light of Christ shine through me. And sometimes I think we do waste the grace of God. We do take it lightly. We do receive it in vain because we just, we just want to live our own life, even though we've accepted Christ into our life. We just said we want to do it our way. We don't want to have him intervening too much. Paul says, never, I, I, can't, I can't allow his grace to be in vain in my life. I'm going to work as hard as I can to try and make up for lost time even. When Christ was at the table with his disciples, he also took a cup and he said, this is a cup, it's a new covenant, a new relationship. That through me you can have eternal life. Before you had to give sacrifices in the temple and burnt offerings. He says, now all that's taken care of. In me you have life. Let's drink this together, knowing that Christ gave his life for us, that we should now live for him. Would you bow with me in prayer? What a special day, Father, to celebrate your goodness, your gift of your Son, to acknowledge your great love for us and sacrifice for us, to know that we... When we celebrate and worship you, we join with all of creation, everything that you have put in place for us to enjoy and to experience, and that reveals who you are, your nature, your character. We stand together in solidarity, saying that you are our God, and we are your people. Thank you for this moment, and I pray you'll bless our time as we finish our service, and go out to declare, people, you need to get right with Jesus. He's coming back. Let's pray this in Christ's name, amen.